0: Well, good morning. Good morning and welcome, as Kurt said, to Soul City. We're so glad that you're here this morning. And I I got to thinking that that probably was potentially not a really wise way to start a message by asking people what's their favorite flavor of cake, because now you're going to be thinking about that the entire message this morning, right? Yeah. Well, for me, my favorite flavor, uh, I am a carrot cake kind of girl or a red velvet kind of girl. a woman's got to have options, a woman's got to have options, but always, always with both flavors, I like the cream cheese frosting, so that's why I go there, yes. So I've, I've got some fans in the room that like the same thing, and, and I don't know about you, uh, I love cake, I, I do love cake, in fact, at a party or at a wedding or, or anything like that, you know, I'm always excited to know that there is going to be a moment where I'm going to consume some sugar, I, I always like that part. The problem is, is that I never want just one bite. I never want just one bite. Whenever it comes to cake, I always want. More And this is how cravings work in our life, right? So so maybe a show of hands in the room. How many of you, when it comes to the cravings in your life, you tend to crave things that are sweet and sugary? You're, you, you like the sweet and the sugary kinds of things. Okay, good, good. How many of you in the room, you tend to be more of a salty kind of craver? You know, you, you like yourself a good thing of French fries or pretzels, yeah. How many of you would just say, give me a nice salty pretzel wrapped in some sweet chocolate and call it a day? Yeah. <laughs> Friends, I'm with you. That, that is my kind of craving. Have you ever noticed, though, have you ever noticed that when it comes to the things that we really want, we always want more of them? When it comes to the things that we really want, we always want more of them. And I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about the other things in our world that we tend to crave, good things, right things. You know, we, we crave finding our purpose, don't we? We want to know, what, what am I here for? What am I supposed to do? Like, how, how has God made me? What should my unique contribution be in the world? What should my job be, my career? We want to know and we wonder, how can we keep advancing in it? Once we've found it, we crave healthy and life-giving relationships. And, and when we find good ones, when we find good friends or, or good people to do life with, we want to continue to do life with them. We want more of it. We crave having a, a fulfilling marriage or, or raising great kids. And we look around to people that are doing it really well. And we think, you know, I, I want to figure out how they're doing it really well because I want to do it really well. We crave progress, we crave growth, and we often desire more of it. These are good things we crave. It's a part of who we are. And cravings, cravings are not bad. You see, God actually made us to crave. He made us to desire. Cravings are actually not the problem. The problem, the problem is that sin distorted those cravings sin distorted those cravings you see when we crave we often we're often unable to know when we're fully and finally satisfied that's the problem we don't know when we're fully and finally satisfied we think there's something out there i know there's something out there and and once we get it we think everything will be better we think maybe there's someone out there There's someone out there and once I find them, I'll be fulfilled. We think maybe there's a better life or there's a better home. Maybe there's a better job. And and once we land it, then, then we'll be at peace. The problem isn't the craving. Because see, those are good things to actually crave. It's good to crave purpose. It's good to crave healthy relationships It's good to crave, you know, wanting to to achieve and to grow and to, to have purpose in your life. Those are good cravings. The problem is when the cravings get out of control. The problem is when the cravings get out of control. You see, even good cravings can go bad, and they can go bad quickly, can't they? Maybe you've seen somebody that had a craving for something that was good, and then it got sour quite quickly. Maybe somebody that had a craving for influence or they had a leadership gift and, and they received power at some point and that power made them want more power and more power and then that power got out of control. The person that you know really had a desire for some certain things, some possessions, some material things in this world and, and they got one and they thought, if I just get one more or just one more and, and that desire to accumulate, to have stuff, It got out of control, maybe. The person that always has to be in control of their relationships. And they they get a relationship, but then they have to control the relationship. Maybe maybe you've seen somebody that prayed for something and they, they longed for God to bless them. And then they received the blessing. And then once the blessing came, they were like, cool, God, now I've got it from here. You see, Your response to cravings, my response to cravings, the things that we want. And again, good things often. Our response to those cravings oftentimes will determine the direction of our lives. So the question is, the question for you this morning, the question for me is, what are you craving? Like, what are you really craving and what are you willing to do to get it? Like, what are you really craving what do you really want? And what have you maybe been willing to do to get it? And the story we're going to look at today, it shows us what happen, happens when our cravings get out of control and we decide to take from God instead of to trust him. We take things into our own hands and we say, I'm going to take from God instead of trust him. And and if you've been tracking with this series and if you've been tracking with us as we've been looking at this this multi-generational journey, this family that walked with God, we, we can sort of see how they have wrestled along the way. The very first week we met Abraham and Sarah, right? And if you remember, Abraham and Sarah, they really wanted something, didn't they? They wanted a son. They wanted a son more than anything, and they prayed to God for it. But then they had to wrestle, do I believe that God has good things for my life, and will he really do it in this lifetime? And so God gives them this son, and and Isaac comes into their life, right? And then week two, we we looked at the reality that, that God asked Abraham if he would be willing to sacrifice Isaac back to him. And the question that we wrestled with was, will I sacrifice what I want for what matters most? And then in the third week, we saw Isaac grow, right? He becomes a man. And he, and he walks through some painful situations. He loses his mom and, and she dies. And, and he's so hungry to find somebody to walk through life with himself. He wants a companion. He wants a spouse. And we watch as Isaac and some of the servants around their family begin to pray in that direction and to live intentionally with the hopes that God would provide. And we saw that God did, didn't we? We saw that God provided, and, and he, he gave a wife to Isaac named Rebecca. And today what we're going to do is we're going to watch this story now, now the second, third generation we're at. Now we're going to watch what happens in this relationship with Rebekah and Isaac as they start a family together. So I want to ask you to actually grab your Bible. Uh, it should be in the seat back in front of you. And we're going to continue on in the story It's found in Genesis chapter 25, and you can go all the way to page 16, so not too far in, page 16. And the story of Jacob and Rebekah begins actually a lot like the story of their grandparents. You see, their story in starting a family is very similar to their grandparents' story, Abraham and Sarah. In fact, it says in Genesis 25 verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. You see, Jacob, Jacob wants something, doesn't he? Jacob wants something, much like Abraham wanted something, right? He wanted a son. And so he goes to God and he says, God, would you give my wife and I a son, well, the passage continues, and it tells us that God does, in fact, answer his prayer. And Rebecca becomes pregnant. You can skip down Genesis 25, 22, and it literally says this, the babies, so God really answers their prayer, right? There's a plural there. The babies jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? Now, if you have ever met a woman in her ninth month of pregnancy and she has two babies inside of her, she has uttered that phrase, Why is this happening to me? Right? And so God sort of breaks down to her what is going on inside. This is pre like ultrasound, okay? So literally, God breaks it down to her and he reveals to her that she is having not one, but two children. Rebecca is pregnant with twins. And as God breaks it down to her that she's having twins, he begins to explain these are not ordinary twins. These twins, they represent two nations, and they represent a struggle and a conflict. Now, if I'm Rebecca, my biggest concern is not that I'm having twins, not that I have, like, two nations somehow inside of me. My biggest concern is that epidurals have not been invented yet. So, like, this is my biggest concern in the situation. So it comes time for Rebecca to deliver the babies, and the Bible literally says to us in Genesis 25, 25 the first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy Garment. So they named him Esau. So picture for yourself like a really buff elmo. Okay? (laughs) A really buff elmo. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. So interesting, interesting moment, even in the birth of these two brothers, even in the birth of these twins. Jacob. Jacob wanted something, even in the womb, didn't he? He wanted to be first. He craved what Esau had. And as crazy as it sounds, it even began in the womb for him. He was grabbing to be first. And we will see that Jacob is willing to do almost anything to get what he wants. The Bible describes Jacob and Esau as being really different, that these brothers are, are very different. They, the Bible says that Esau was this skilled hunter. The Bible calls him a man of the open country, right? Jacob, the Bible says, was content to stay at home among the tents. So, so Esau, you can sort of see, he was like a, a duck dynasty kind of guy, okay? This is who Esau was. And, and then Jacob, he was more of a Kardashians kind of guy, okay? In fact, Jacob goes on, and he has many, many sons, although he never names any of them Northwest. But, um, you know, th- this is who Jacob was, Okay? there were very clear differences between these brothers. And not only were there clear differences, there were very clear difficulties in this relationship, not just with each other, but even with their parents. You see, the Bible tells us that Isaac favored Esau and Rebekah favored Jacob. So there's tension in this family. And, And during this time, birthrights, were very, very important. So the the eldest child in the family was very important. You see, the oldest child in the family would inherit the majority of the father's wealth and would inherit really his positional authority. The birthright was also associated with the blessing of God on a person's life. So because Esau came out first, he would obviously inherit the birthright. But the Bible tells us something very interesting happens with these two brothers. Genesis 25, 29. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, so you remember, Jacob likes to stay home, so he's cooking some stew. Esau came in from the open country. So we don't know how long he's been out there. We don't know, you know, how long he's been out there. And and literally it says he came in and he was famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. So Esau, Esau has a craving, doesn't he? Esau's hungry. And he sees that somebody is cooking and he wants what this person has. But we will see that Esau is not the only one in this story with a craving in this moment. Genesis 25, 31, it goes on. Jacob replied, okay, first, sell me your birthright. You can just see the the scene between these two twin brothers, right? You want my stew? I want your birthright. You want my stew? Well, then give me your birthright, right? Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. He makes his brother swear that he will give him this birthright. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. You can just see Esau starts to gobble down this stew, right? Then Jacob gave him some bread, some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. And the Bible says, and Esau despised his birthright. He wanted something so bad and he took it right away, but then he realized, oh my gosh, I gave away this precious thing for a moment, for a craving. You see, both Jacob and Esau, they wanted something. They had really clear cravings. Esau, he wanted a bowl of stew, and Jacob wanted a birthright. And it's amazing, isn't it, what happens when our cravings are magnified out of proportion. You see, when we crave something, literally what happens inside of our brains is that our brains begin to lie to us, to deceive us into thinking that something will be much better than it really is once we get it. What happens is this thing called focalism. Maybe you've heard about this before. Your mind your mind focuses only on the thing that you want, and it blurs everything else out. Your mind focuses in on the thing that you want, and it blurs every single thing else out. Maybe you've seen this happen. Somebody that wants to do so well in their career, they want to advance, they want to go someplace, and they know that eventually, maybe 10 years later, I'll be a good dad, I'll be a good husband, but if I, if I just do this now, and they blur everything else out, right? Right? If I just find this person, if I just find this relationship, if I just make this thing happen, it doesn't matter if I have to blur other people out, if I have to blur out convictions, if I have to blur out things that were so important to me. Once I find them, those things will come back into focus. Jacob, Jacob wanted something, and he was focused on getting it, wasn't he? Jacob literally says, who needs to sit around and trust that God will take care of me when I can trick my brother and get what I want in my own timing? Ever struggle with something like that? Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do whatever you can to get it? And maybe it started small, and maybe it started, you know, even quite naively, and you're like, you know, I'm... I don't have the money right now to purchase this, but you know, I'll just I'll put it on the credit card and you know as soon as the bill comes, I'll pay it off. And and then the bill comes and you don't really have the resources to pay it off. Focalism. Everything else blurs, doesn't it? Have you ever said, you know, I'm gonna do this relationship different this time? I'm gonna do this relationship different. I'm gonna hold to my standards. I'm gonna stick to my guns. My convictions are gonna be strong. And then just a few weeks later you find yourself in a pile of regret ever smudge some facts around or bend a few stories because you see this thing out there and you know that if you just do a couple of things and make a couple things work and sort of make it happen in your time and in your way it'll all it'll all come together you just blur everything else out because you see this thing that you want that's out in front of you I was talking to a friend of mine a couple weeks ago, and we were just chatting and having a conversation. And, and I was actually sharing some things with her that uh, I really want. Some things that I've been praying about, some things that I've been asking God to do, and some ways that I've been asking him to move. And they're very good things. They're, they're actually very uh, good desires. And she said, you know, Jeannie, it's funny when, when we're talking And when you're sharing with me these things that you've been praying about and these things that you've been wanting God to do, it reminded me of something my mom always used to say to me growing up. And she always used to say to me that whenever you pray, that God always answers your prayer in three different ways. He either says yes, he says no, or he says wait. She goes, it seems like with this one, God might be saying wait. And she was right. She was right. And I've been tempted to sort of maneuver the situation and make the situation work. And, and if I'm being really honest, even manipulate some things so that it works out in my way. And God was just saying to me through, through her friendship and through her counsel in that moment, wait, what I have for you is so much better But we're tempted to take, aren't we? We're tempted to make things happen in our time. And and Jacob, Jacob took his own life into his hands in that moment, in his timing. And, And we'll see now that it wasn't the first time that he did that. Taking the birthright from his brother was just the beginning of Jacob trying to take instead of trusting God. In fact, the story moves on. And, and it goes through genesis twenty five and genesis twenty six Isaac their father um, has you know this experience where everyone else in the land was dealing with a famine and and God comes to Isaac and says, "Listen, stay put, just stay right where you 're at, and I will bless you and Isaac trusts God and he says okay and, and literally blessings upon blessings come into isaac 's life and and he has harvest Upon harvest, He has wells all over the land. Isaac becomes a very, very, very wealthy man. And you can flip over to Genesis 27. It's on the top of page 18. And the start of this chapter, you can see what happens. Isaac is about to die. And as we just heard, he has a big inheritance to give, doesn't he? And who gets the inheritance? The firstborn. The one with the birthright. So literally, this is what Genesis 27 says. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and he said to him, My son, here I am, Esau answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the open country to hunt me some wild game. Prepare me the kind of tasty food that I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you the blessing before I die. So Isaac is, is towards the end of his life and he sends Esau out, and Esau does exactly as his father asks him. The only problem is that Esau was not the only one listening in that moment. Rebecca, Rebecca overheard the conversation. And she conspired with her other son to figure out how to have Jacob impersonate Esau and bring Isaac the meal that he had requested. And when the time came for Isaac to bestow the blessing, that Jacob would actually be the one to receive it. I mean, you talk about a stage mom here, right? (laughs) And you talk about the therapy bills that Jacob and Esau are going to have later on in life, right? And this is exactly what happens. This is exactly what happens. Rebekah and Jacob, they conspire together. They made up a meal. They took some of Esau's clothes. They literally figured out a way to make Jacob appear to be hairy like his brother Esau. And Jacob went in for his father to bless him. And in Genesis 27, 18, it says, He went to his father and said, My father... Yes, son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Interesting. Jacob doesn't even have like a warm-up act, right? He goes in exactly for what he wants. Isaac asked his son, Well, how did you find it? How did you find it so quickly, my son? Oh, the Lord. The Lord your God gave me success. Jacob. Jacob even used God in his lie. Then Isaac. Isaac said to Jacob, Come near near so I can touch you, to know whether you are really my son, Esau, or not. Jacob went close to his father, Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands, hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really, are you really my son Esau, he asked? I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate. He brought him some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. And so he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, and remember, He's wearing Esau's clothes. He blessed him. Jacob's plan worked, didn't it? Jacob's plan worked. And not only did he take the birthright earlier in their life by exchanging a bowl of soup for a birthright, but he stole the blessing. He stole the blessing by lying and pretending that he was someone else. And you can continue to, to read on in the story. And Esau, eventually he comes back and he finds out what his brother did. And I'm sure, as you can imagine, he's not too happy about the situation. And we see as, as difficulty and pain just continues to weave itself through this story and this story is a fascinating look at what happens when we take what we want in our timing instead of trusting in God's good and perfect timing. You see, Jacob wanted, Jacob wanted to have his cake, and he wanted to eat it too, didn't he? Jacob wanted his cake, and he wanted to eat it too. And I don't think we are that far off from Jacob Oftentimes, we want to have it both ways, don't we? We want all of God's blessings in our lives. We want his presence. We want his peace that only comes from him. We want to be able to to call out to him when we're struggling. We want to be able to depend on him when we're in a challenge. But we want to be able to live by our rules. And in many ways... We want God to live by the same rules. We want God to do things and to give us things when we want them, just like Jacob. We want the blessings that God has for us, but we want it in our timing, don't we? My hunch is the majority of us in this room would say, I believe that what God has for me is better than what I would have for myself. I think we would all agree to that, but we want it, oftentimes, in our terms, and we want it in our way. You see, we want the cake, and we always want to eat it in our time, and see, when you, when you look at this cake here, now you know why I asked you what your favorite flavor of cake was. When you look at this cake here, it's like a picture. It's like a picture of God's blessings in our life. See, God God wants to give us. He wants to give us the very best. He wants to pour blessing upon blessing in our lives. But we want it when we want it. And we often want it in our own way. And so instead of waiting for the full blessing, instead of waiting for the time when God says, now's the time to to bite into this cake, what we end up doing is we try taking in our timing. And what ends up happening is we just take portions, don't we? Now, I don't know a single person that would say, you know, when I start my day, I like to start with one good cup of flour. Just pour it all over my cereal, it tastes fabulous. And then, when I'm done doing that, you know, I take a little vanilla extract, I chase it down with some oil, it's great. Later on in the day, I just find myself an egg and I do it Rocky Balboa style and I just crack that egg right in my mouth. I don't know a single person that wants to start their day with the ingredients like that. But we, we want the cake, don't we? We know it tastes good. But what ends up happening is we take from God, and it's like we take a half baked blessing. We just just take the ingredients, hoping that they'll turn into something. I I know the moment I met that guy, I knew I shouldn't date him, but you know what? Maybe, I don't know, God can do anything with an egg, right? (laughs) And we take the ingredient and we hope that it's going to become a blessing. I knew, I knew I should not fudge those facts at work, but you know what? My boss was impressed. And you know what? I got a promotion. And you know what? Now we have a boat. And you know what? Now we've got a summer home. I know it was just a little fudging of the facts, but look, look what's happened. I knew, I knew, that God gave me that business. I mean, it was clearly it was from Him. But I, you know, He's a busy God, and so after we made the exchange, I just said, God, I got it from here. I'll take it. No worries. And what ends up happening, what ends up happening is we settle for the ingredients. And we all know that none of this tastes good on its own. But when this is mixed together, and when it is baked over time, God has a blessing waiting. But Jacob, Jacob didn't trust that. Jacob was afraid. He took matters into his own hands. He said, that's what I want. And so instead of waiting on God to give it to me, I'm just going to take it. And you see, trusting God, trusting God in his time is always better than taking from God in your time. Trusting God in his time in his time, is always better than taking from God in your time. And as I was praying for you and as I was praying for me, as I was preparing this message, I got this very strong sense that there are many of us, there are many of us here today that have been settling for the ingredients. You've been settling for the ingredients. And what God wants to say to you, it's not even what I want to say to you. It's what your father, God, wants to say to you. He has so many blessings that he wants to bring into your life. But will you trust him? And will you trust his timing? Some of you are trying, you are trying so hard in your own strength to make a relationship work out. And it is your strength, and you are tired. And again, a good desire, a good desire to have a healthy and good relationship maybe it's in a dating relationship maybe it's in your marriage and and you know that it's it's hit the wall and you want it to get better and you're just trying to make it better in your own strength or maybe it's in your parenting and you just think "Ah, gosh I don't know how to parent these kids why didn't they send me home with a book or something like I don't know what I'm doing and you're trying to do it all in your own strength and you've been settling for ingredients and God is saying will you just trust me will you just trust me I want to help you I have a blessing for you. I have gifts for you. But will you trust me? Some of you are in situations, and the situation doesn't look like it's going to work out the way that you want it to work out. And you you can sort of see the writing on the wall. And you, you sense that God is saying, I have a better way. I have a better plan, but you're not sure when he's going to give that better way and that better plan, and so you're taking a left turn. And you're making a few things work on your own. Just bending a few things here, manipulating a few things here. It's not bad. I mean, you're not going to go to, like, prison for it or anything, right? But you know you're doing it on your terms and in your time. And some of you have been trying to take good things, even God-honoring things, God-given desires and cravings. And you've been trying to take those cravings and use them in your time and in your way. And I wonder, I wonder if you're sidestepping if you're sidestepping, and maybe even settling, when God has something so good and wonderful for you. Because even good things outside of God's timing go bad. Good things outside of God's timing, they go bad. And God has so much more for you. And the band's going to come up, and we're going to spend a few moments here worshiping. Um, but as I was praying, I was reminded of a story that a, a good friend of mine has told many times. Um, and there was a woman, um, and she knew that she was actually nearing the end of her life. Um, and so she called her pastor up. She said, listen, I, I've had a great life. I've had a full life um, and, and I know that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die soon. And so I want to talk to you about my funeral, and I want to talk to you about my wishes and, and what I desire. And so the pastor said, of course, of course, let's talk about it. And so she said, you know, there's a few verses that I would like to have read, and these are a couple of songs that really mean a lot to me, and, and here's a few people that might be able to speak, but I, I have a request for you. And the pastor said, okay, w- what is it? She said, I want to be buried with a fork in my hand. And the pastor sort of looked back at her, and, and he had, you know, met with a lot of people throughout his lifetime and had never had that kind of request. And, and he said, could you tell me a little bit about the fork? She said, yeah, of course. You know, anytime I would go to a banquet or anytime I would, I would go to a dinner and there were multiple courses My favorite part was when they would come and and the waiter or the waitress would would clear off the main course and and they would sort of lean down over the table and they would say, keep your fork because something's better coming. She said that was my favorite part because I knew cake was coming. Cake was coming. And to me, cake is like biblical food. And so I knew that was the best part. And she said, you know, when it comes time, I want you to bury me with a fork in my hand, because I have wanted to live my whole life believing that something better is coming. And so the woman did of course um, she passed away and they had a they had a funeral and, and the casket was open and And this woman that had lived a full and bright and and God-honoring life. People came to to honor her and to, to bless her. And people walked past the casket and they saw this woman laying there with a fork in her hand. And so the chatter started going throughout the church and everybody started going, what's with the fork? And the pastor got up at the end And he said, you know, I know many of you have been wondering about the fork. You've been asking, what's the deal with the fork? And he told them the story of this woman and and her hope and how she had wanted to live her life. Always pleasing God and always trusting God. And he said, so here's, here's what she wanted me to tell you today. She wanted me to tell you, keep The fork. Keep the fork because something better is coming. I believe that's what God wants to say to you today. Keep the fork. Something better is coming. Why would you take Why would you take just ingredients when God has a fully baked blessing for your life? And that is what He has for your life. And so the question for each of us today, the question for each of us today is this Do you just want more? Do you just want more? Do you just want to lean into those cravings and go after those cravings in your time and in your way just like Jacob did? Or do you want God and all that he has for you? Because what God does is God takes all of these ingredients and he mixes them up and he bakes them over time. And the blessing upon blessing upon blessing that he has for your life is greater and grander than anything you could ever crave. That's, that's what our God does. And so the question is, do you just want more or do you want God? Because with God, something better is always, is always coming. In fact, we're going to take a moment right now. It's something that we do every time that we gather together. And we look, we look at the blessings in our life. We look at all of the ways that God has provided, all of the ways that he has come through, all of the ways that he has literally, literally taken care of of his children and we stop and we give back to him of our resources and say God I know that these blessings come from you so I don't want to take them as my own I want to give them back to you and so we're going to have a moment where where we give back to God and and if you are inclined to give I encourage you to do that in fact maybe some of you are just very aware you're very aware today that God has blessed you And maybe you've been gripping onto your things, holding onto them like ingredients, not believing that God has something for you. And maybe today is a day for you to loosen that grip and to trust God with all that he has given to you. So I wanna pray for us. We're gonna give back to God and then we're gonna spend some moments worshiping him. And so Father, we love you. We love you so much and we thank you We thank you for how you are at work in our lives, God. And we come before you, and God, we confess that we are tempted at times to to take. We are tempted at times to to not even believe, God, that you have something good for us like Jacob, and, and to take what doesn't even belong to us yet, God. And so we come before you, and we confess, God, that we want you We want you and we want your blessings in our life. And God, we want to hunger and thirst for you because you tell us in your word that blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. And God, we have been trying to fill ourselves up on all of the wrong things and we want to be filled up with you. And so we give these gifts to you now. We give our thanks to you now. We give this worship to you now. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.